What happens at laser tag never stays at laser tag. Laser. Laser unfocused tag talk. Laser unfocused tag talk. I feel like you could be like in Ghostbusters or something. Like oh my god, you have got some stories. Let's talk about laser tag. Who knew you were a laser tag legend? Time to get laser unfocused. Tag talk with Tivia. Welcome to Laser Unfocused Tag Talk. Hi, I'm Tivia. Laser tag can add tremendous value to a multi-attraction FEC as we hear from Maggie McCartney, Director of Marketing for Scene 75. Joining me on my podcast today is Maggie McCartney, and she is the Director of Marketing for Scene 75, and I'm delighted to have you with me. Welcome, Maggie. Hi, Tivia. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, so glad to have you here. And I would love to get just a little background to start us off. For anybody who is not familiar with Scene 75, could you tell me a little about Scene 75 and where you have locations and how it all got started? Yes, absolutely. We are a chain of big box FECs is what we like to call it because we have one big facility with a ton of different attractions ranging anywhere from 10 to 15 per location. Uh, we started 11 years ago back in 2012 uh, at the location I'm at right now. It's our Dayton, Ohio location. Um, and at the time, it was the largest indoor FEC in the country, which we were really happy about. Currently, not anymore because uh, we ourselves have outbuilt uh, it. Um, but we were open here for about three years until we opened our second location in Cincinnati. We then moved on to Cleveland, Columbus, and just recently, last August, we opened a location in uh, the Chicago suburbs. Uh, so we're so happy. It's been a wonderful 11 years. Thankfully, we've been able to win uh, IAPA's Brass Ring Top FEC of the World twice, which we're very, very proud about. Uh, and it's just been a really wonderful journey. We've got everything from, like I said, those 10 attractions to 200 to 150 different arcade games in our facilities. Um, anywhere from, we got two indoor roller coasters, drop towers, so a lot of those big attractions on top of some of the smaller rides that a lot of FECs have. Well, I've been fortunate enough to play at every Scene 75 location. So Love I have that. seen the variety amongst them. And I have some questions for you uh, because I really want to get a picture of how how big the centers are. And then as a juxtaposition of that, how significant is laser tag as a part of that total picture? So just generally speaking, because I know each one is a little bit different, but how much value do you see your laser tag adding to an FEC? Personally, for us, it's a big value. Um, it's something that has always been from the very beginning, either our second or third uh, top attraction in our facility. So go-karts is always, you know, that's our bread and butter. But right next to it has always been laser tag. Now, as we've built out some of the, the bigger rides, like the roller coaster and the drop tower, now naturally that over time has started taking that second spot. But for the facilities that don't have it, I mean, laser tag is still second or in those cases, third. So for us, I mean, there's so much value in having it as just uh, the throughput alone is fantastic. You can get a lot of people in and out of it. Um, it creates a longer experience. You know, if you compare it to, you know, a little ride, a bumper car, a drop tower, you know, you're looking at a, a one minute, one minute 30 experience, whereas a laser tag really provides this long, multifaceted, 15 minute long experience where you're going through multiple different rooms. You're getting that engagement with the attendant in a really unique and immersive way in comparison to just, you know, a ride out on the floor. So for us, I mean, it's always been a staple and it's something we're really proud to have in our centers. 
I think one of the things that really is important to laser tag is having, exactly as you were saying, something immersive, an immersive environment. And what I've observed is that you have a little different flair at each location. And some of that is no doubt just because of the evolution of time, because clearly if you uh, you have decor that was there from day one and you build something brand new, uh, you are probably going to have some different aesthetics. But um, I'd like to just kind of talk a little bit about some of the theming and arena choices. And also, you said that you're right there at your flagship location in Dayton. And uh, I'd just like to take a moment to talk about the Phoenix Rising story of Dayton. Because I I went through some challenges and had to rebuild. So maybe you could just kind of clue us into that. Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, I guess I'll start with Dayton. Dayton's been a wild ride um, because, like you said, it's our flagship location. It's always been, you know, our pride and joy. This is our home. We're a family-owned company. Uh, The owners personally work out of Dayton. So, you know, this has really been our home. Uh, and for up until let's kind of neck and neck with Columbus as being, you know, our top earning stores. But, uh, at the time in, in May, 2019, uh, Dayton, the city was unfortunately hit with a wild, uh, 10 to 12 different tornadoes that all kind of landed in different pockets of the city. Um, And unfortunately for us, one of them was very close to the uh, facility. It was actually Memorial day. Monday. So we were open. Uh, Fortunately, we had just closed it. The tornadoes kind of hit around 1030 and we'd close at 10. Um, So thankfully, there was nobody in the building at the time. But we did unfortunately get hit by a tornado. Um, Most of our damage was from HVAC units from across the street had actually came in, crashed through the roof, hit our main water lines and flooded the building. So we had a lot of open ceiling space. Um, everything was flooded. We have a high bay, uh, which was where we have almost sorry, the 38 foot uh, ceilings. And then we have the low bay. The low bay was all completely flooded, all of those games. Uh, and then the high bay, we actually had a giant wall that set. And if I was over there right now, I'd show you because you can still see the marking of where the wall was, um, where the existing building ended. If you would go back into the high bay before you would hit the uh, Blacklight Mini Golf and the bumper cars, and it would kind of stop. Well, then we had this giant wall that separated from our kind of just this empty warehouse space that was unused. And the tornado actually took that entire wall down. So when you would walk in, it was this 40 foot wall that had crumbled. Um, All of our redemption uh, storage was back there. So uh, yeah, everything was just flooded. Um, and, you know, for us, it was, it, it was heartbreaking. You know, we had the owner on the uh, curb of the, you know, front of the entrance, he was there crying. I mean, it was very emotional, but, you know, we, we kind of looked at it as we knew that we wanted to expand. We already had purchased a double-decker carousel that was sitting back in that warehouse space. We had already signed on the roller coaster. It wasn't in our building yet, but we knew we were going to get it. And we actually had just installed the drop tower probably a month before this. Uh, and our solution was we were going to take that warehouse space. It was an additional um, 40,000 square feet. And we were just going to cut a, a big giant hole through it. And we knew I, I was already planning for the challenge of getting our guests to know that all this stuff was back there. That we had a roller coaster, all this stuff. Uh, and, you know, so this kind of solved that problem for us. It just took the whole wall down for us. And we kind of just turned it, take, take a negative and turn it into a positive. And we just said, hey, this is a great opportunity to 
rebrand. Fortunately for us, the the Dayton community here has just latched onto Scene 75. They love Scene 75. And so for us, it it provided this wonderful marketing opportunity to rebrand, tell our story. And we saw a wave of people come in when we finally reopened in December 2020. So that's been wonderful. Um, as far as to touch on the other thing, as far as the arenas itself and the differences between all of them and how they have changed over the years, um, the, part of the reason that they're all so different is, you know, like you said, it is the evolution of time. Fortunately for us, you know, like I said, it's family owned. It's, it's a pretty small team that runs it on the corporate level. And we're all very involved with all the decision processes. And so from site to site, it's kind of like we stop and we think, okay, could we do this better? What can we do? What do we like about it? What do we not like about it? What do we want to change? Um, in Dayton specifically, our first arena, we started with Creative Works. Um, and they make great arenas. You know, it was fantastic. It wasn't quite the right fit of what our original vision was. Um, and so we ended up pivoting... Uh, I don't remember when that I would say that was probably 2016 or 2015 is when we transitioned to art attack arenas. Um, so we had them come in, they rethemed the whole thing. Um, in Dayton specifically, I got the opportunity to personally theme the uh, fire and ice theme in Dayton, which was a super fun joy. I hand drew a lot of those bases in a sketchbook and sent it to art attack and they're fantastic over there. And they were able to bring that vision to life. Um, at, you know, at Cincinnati, Cleveland, they both have our District 75 theme, which is like a post-apocalyptic, uh, you know, so we just wanted something a little darker, a little edgier. We never really fit in with, you know, a lot of the arena themes. We just felt like they're, they're too much and they're too cartoony. And we wanted something that still felt, which is a lot of our branding and our goal, is to feel comfortable to adults as well. We never want anyone to walk in and feel like, oh, this is for kids. This is a kid's place. So it was trying to find a theme that we felt like correlated with that you know, brand vision. Um, and both of those are great. They're both beautiful arenas. And then in Columbus, Art Attack pitched to us this beautiful jungle theme which is like this you know the crashed plane jungle theme um and that just turned out absolutely beautifully i think that those are my favorite themes of the ones that we have there's a lot of additional foliage and you know there's the crashed plane hanging on the center of it and we just loved it so much that we um gave it to chicago now chicago has that same theme um, so it's just one of those things, you know, who's to say that if we were to open another center tomorrow that we'd swap out the theme and try something new. But I think that that's that's the fun of it. And, you know, for people like you and, you know, these enthusiasts that are hopping from center to center and even just some of our guests will travel from center to center. It's the opportunity to do something completely different. It's not a copy and paste. Yes. And the two things that you touched on there that really uh, stick out in my memory because I, I do see a lot of arenas and sometimes, especially if you see multiple <laughs> themes, they, they start to kind of blend together. But um, I was really impressed when I went to Columbus to see the exterior of the arena where it has like an a, a, an airport monitor on the screen to let you know when your plane is arriving or not arriving as the case may be. And I mean, it's like you're going, you walk up to, to that counter and it's a travel atmosphere, which, you know, the travel might not have been successful <laughs> as you walk into the arena and see what, was the goal. what you're walking into, but it was a very noticeable little touch that I think really made that one stand out. I'm and taking I just that want... to the bank because everybody else hates that. I came up with that and I was like, <laughs> we're going to, because I said, 
we have this crashed plane. Like, I want it to feel like you're being transported. Like, you know, something went awry and now you're on this island. And to this day, the, the ops team, they all complained to me. They're like, this is confusing. <laughs> the guests are very confused about this. So it's a battle that I lost, which is why it doesn't, you don't see that in uh, Chicago. But I mean, you know, I think it's, it's one of those things that when it does catch someone and they do get it and they're like, oh, this is really cool. It provides that like, wow, this is unique. This is different. So I love that you feel that way. Well, definitely. And I guess you and I must be on the same page about a couple of things because the Dayton Arena is the other one that just really stands out to me. And it's interesting because I, I remembered a lot of particulars about it. And then there were some things I had to refresh my memory on, but I did not have to think twice about what arena had that volcano and the fire and ice. That one was very impressive to me. And I, I feel like, you know, that was a uh, going back to the whole tornado and rebuilding uh, at the time, I remember that I was speaking with somebody who shared with me that, you know, you obviously rebuilt for this purpose, but maybe that was a fresh start. And, I'd like to just get clear on, were you, at the time that you were the um, the largest indoor entertainment center in the USA at Dayton, was that before or after the rebuild? And then which of your sites surpassed that? And is the one that surpassed it actually holding that title? Yes. So at the time before the rebuild is when Dayton, so Dayton is 120,000 square feet at open. Um, and at the time, back in 2012, you know, again, before a lot of, we saw this big, um, you know, beautiful growth of FECs all over the country. Um, but at the time, we were the largest. Now, I think, uh, you know, don't quote me on this, but I do believe that somewhere in between us opening Dayton and Columbus, somebody else took that title from us. They were able to build something bigger. And then in 2019, when we opened Columbus, that one is 220,000 square feet. Um, so that is just a behemoth. Uh, the reason that we're able to have something so big is because that one's two floors. We built it in the mall of an, uh, the anchor of a mall. Um, and so because of that, we're just able to have so much, almost too much, I would argue. I think we, uh, when we sat to, to do the plans, we were like, what are we going to, you know, we're, we, we have to fill up this space. What are we going to do? And we still have quite a bit of space in Columbus that is tucked away, that is not being used um, that hopefully, you know, one day we can fill in with something, a b- huge attraction that will be really exciting. We just haven't quite figured out what that is yet. That is interesting to me because if I was to guess which one would have been your bigger one, I would have said Chicagoland. And I probably would have said that because I'll be perfectly honest, I have blinders on when it comes to laser tag most of the time. And your laser tag attraction, I think, was towards the front. So I did not uh, walk too much further in Columbus beyond laser tag because that was what I was there for. <laughs> so I probably missed a lot of that, but I do remember a few things about the arena. And so to kind of segue into why certain choices are made, because each one <laughs> is very distinct, but they also beyond just the theming, the builds of the arenas are very different from one another. And there are certain things that I really liked in some of them. I, I will say I am not personally a fan of stairs. Oh, yeah. No, no <laughs> one is. They shouldn't be there. Unfortunately, so, let's just talk about that yeah, then, yeah, shall yeah. we? Let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tell me how are the stairs there and uh, oh my gosh. about uh, some of the uh, things we'll notice in the build and why you do certain things the way you do them. So, you know, so, well, to, to address the stairs in Columbus, that unfortunately was a city mandate. 
So otherwise we would have never, and it's, it's one of those things that, you know, yeah, you coming in there, you're like, why on earth would they put this in here? It is 100% something that was required of the city. Uh, and we fought it and we fought it and we fought it. But, you know, sometimes you just have to pick your battles and they were like, absolutely not. You have to put these in here. And I, I could not tell you why, because it's not like a ramp is ADA, right? So you'd think that there, but for whatever reason that it had to be stairs. I'm not sure if that's the, the height of the mezzanine or what that was. But um, as far as the layouts themselves, they've, that's another thing that has just really evolved quite a bit. And it kind of depends on who's involved at the time and who's getting their hands into it. Um, Dayton, I want to say that was probably a mix of Jonah, our owner and CEO. He himself, based on, you know, he, before he opened scene 75, he spent probably two years traveling all across the country to as many different FECs and laser tag and bounce all these different centers as he could. Um, and then from there, he was able to determine, okay, this, this is what I want to build. This is what I want scene 75 to be the best of the best of all these things. And so I would imagine that he built that arena in Dayton um, and the structure of it, the layout of it is still very similar, even though we went through a rebuild. Um, to what it originally was. And it's not a great arena play-wise, just because the uh, the mezzanine is this big giant piece in the center and you get this just fantastic advantage of being up there that you can just stay up there all day and rack up points because you'll be able to just pick people off the way that the, uh, the walls are set up were not super ideal. Now, my fiance, Sean Cope, who is a laser tag player, he came in and worked, uh, he worked with us in 2015, I want to say is when he came in. And he, he being this, you know, laser tag enthusiast was like, what? This arena could be done better. So when uh, when we went to go open the Cincinnati location in 2015, he was very uh, influential on that and how the second one, okay, let's build this up a little bit better. We need to have you know, two mirror, mirroring ramps up into the mezzanine and just something to add. Let's start adding in grates, God forbid, on the floor so that there's a little bit more, you know, immersion in there. And then he worked with, uh, he contacted Skills, who's Alex Skillman, who also helped design that arena in Cincinnati. So, you know, they were the ones who kind of pieced a lot of that together. Now in Cleveland, after we kind of branch out there, um, I would say from there, it, it might even just been art attack suggestion based on uh, plus us, you know, they kind of send us these plans and layouts and say, okay, this is, you know, what we're thinking for the arena and then we'll kind of tweak it. And then from there, you know, that's how it gets built. But uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things, each one ends up coming out a little different. Um, and again, some of that at this stage is is just Art Attack being like, okay, this is what we think might work in the space. This is what's going to add some dimension to it. Um, I personally like Chicago. I think that having those, they have these like catwalks um, in the center of the arena up on the mezzanine that I yes. think adds a lot of fun. It's just a, it's a fun to play in arena. I I agree. It It is fun and a little bit unique uh, from that aspect for sure. And you mentioned Art Attack with Cleveland. And so I just want to ask, uh, have they recently uh, redone the aesthetic in Cleveland or is it still an airbrushed uh, uh, District 75? So that one is still airbrushed. So we, um, that's interesting that you note that because I, so now what Art Attack does, and this is what Chicago Columbus and now Dayton all have are these fabric UV reactive like 
uh, banners, for lack of a better word. It's a wrapping on the wall, um, and it is absolutely beautiful. They're able to design everything in-house, print it, and then it goes up just as you thought. Um, whereas the airbrush, uh, and we work with this wonderful uh, airbrusher. He also does all of our um, mini golf courses. His name's Dave. He's fantastic. Um, and, you know, you kind of, you just have no idea how it's going to turn out. He goes in, he does his thing. You know, maybe we'll say, hey, we kind of want a feature here and a feature here, and then he'll take it and run. Um, but it doesn't hold up the same. Um, I think over time, it loses a little bit of that that vibrance and that brilliance. Um, and so what we found is that those fabric banners, they hold up and they are able to kind of cover more square footage of the wall with just complete saturated color that really brings the space alive. So Cincinnati and Cleveland both still have their original airbrushing. Cleveland's is a little different. It, they kind of went a little bit more of a Gotham City um, graffiti. There's a lot of graffiti influences in it. And I would say Cincinnati's a little bit more on the post-apocalyptic zombie vibe if I had to differentiate the two, but uh, it's not, I like that they're unique. I like that they're different. So you use the same airbrusher for both of those and your mini golf? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And he's, I mean, he does for all of our black light courses, he does all of them. And he's so quick I have too. I have a question about that because I feel like this is a memory I remember. Correct me if I have a fact wrong, but I think that somebody in Cleveland told me that he has a tendency to put a little character somewhere hidden in the walls uh, in each of his designs, and you can look for that. And I that caught my attention because I know that you know there was another. Uh, uh, well, a chain of laser quests used to do something very similar with their odd character. And so when I heard that, I said, okay, I got to keep my eyes open. And then from that point on, I think I pretty much only saw the art attack. So <laughs> <laughs> well, did you see it? Did you see the character? I I saw, I, I feel like I did see a guy with like longish hair, kind of, am I right? With a this? beard. Or like yeah. a gray, so yeah, okay. <laughs> So that is based on a, a real person. Um, he His name is Eric. He was on our team. He was uh, our director of IT. And uh, so he's very involved with all the build outs. And he and Dave, they just got along like this. And Dave just put it in as a little Easter egg. Eric comes into work one day and, you know, Dave's in there and he just has him painted on the wall. And he said, I added you in. And then when he went to go do Cleveland, and then I think he was also added in Pittsburgh, our location that we closed in 2020. But I believe that would have been the third Easter egg of Eric, the person in our different arenas. He would have been there, too. You have no idea how much I love Easter eggs and stories like that. <laughs> and I looked for him in Pittsburgh. I played Pittsburgh, too. And I couldn't find it in Pittsburgh. But I, I do remember that story. And so I, I am heartened to hear things like that because I think those really give a, a flavor of personality to an arena, which is very cool. I love that. So it's been very cool to hear about some of the uh, differences and distinctions between these arenas as far as the aesthetic and the builds. But then the game itself is the equipment. So I'd love to talk about uh, what you have in these systems and why you made the choices that you did for the laser tag equipment that you use. Yeah. So in 2012, we started out with Zone. Um, that was, you know, a good choice for us at the time. They were bright beautiful. Um, they looked great in all of our marketing. 
Um, but, you know, we in the first few years, the first two years of, of opening, we had a lot of people come in. I mean, it was it, there was a, a line to park your car. There was a line to get inside the door. There was a line to, to do everything, um, which <laughs> I wish it was like that every day now. But um, and, you know, all of our equipment took a big beating. You know, it was just one of those things that we found ourselves having to uh, repair and maintain just about everything just to keep up with the amount of uh, throughput that we were getting. Um, and, you know, we probably would have kept zone if we weren't provided the opportunity to open a second location. Um, and so once again, and this kind of sparked the culture that we have of, okay, let's revisit this. What do we want to improve? Could we do this better? Um, and I think with the owners, um, with the Sandlers, they, they, you know, saw that they were going to continue building this. It wasn't just going to be the second one. Um, and so it was this opportunity to say, okay, we're going to continue investing in this. Do we want to pivot into something else? So we started shopping around. Um, we looked at a few, uh, quite a few different systems uh, and Laser Force just really, they stood out to us in a lot of ways. Um, they were willing to just absolutely bend over backwards for us in every way, shape or form that we were asking for. They um, did a lot of, they offered a lot of custom uh, opportunities for us in some of the things that we felt like we didn't like about our existing best. Uh, one of the things I have, and again, this is the Gen 7. So this is when we first changed it. They were able to put our logo right in the center where the Laser Force logo usually is. And I have yet to find any, I have scavenged, I have yet to see, and you'll, you might know better, any other FECs that have that in there. It's always the laser force. So I don't know if that, I would never guess that that was something that they would have custom done for us. And that's a unique thing, but I have not seen it on another FEC. Um, so that was a nice feature that for us having that marketing capability, laser tag is just one of those attractions that people love taking pictures of. They love taking the pictures in the vest. And that is such a powerful tool. If you can have your own branded uh, logo on the front of it, instead of, you know, the laser tag manufacturer. Um, another piece that they did for us. Now, I didn't actually know this. This is something that Sean told me because he was involved in that transition period as well. Uh, he said that you, a big complaint for us when we were looking was that we felt like the vest, we had uh, our GM, who's still, he's the regional manager here of the Dayton uh, location still. He's a big guy. And he always felt like wearing the vest, he's like, I always felt like this is just really uncomfortable. It just feels like, it feels like it's for a kid. And so we had special requested like a different structure of the vest. We were like, I don't know if the opening needs to be bigger so that it sits lower. Um, now, again, I, I don't know if this is something that they just offer two sizes and we have both or if they custom made it for us. But if you compare the pit, and again, it's one of those things, you don't have to look through your pictures to see if you can see a difference, that ours has more of like a square opening around the front. And if you look at it, it sits a lot lower than other people. Now, again, I personally don't know if that's something, but I read, and he recalls at the time that that was something that they were just willing to do. They were like, oh, you don't like it? What can we do? How can we fix this? How can we change this to make it custom for your experience? And, you know, that was just something that was, really enticing to us. We felt like, okay, you know, we're looking for partners that are going to be with us for 10 plus years, you know, and uh, Laser Force so far has been, you know, great, great partners. Um, and I wish that we had uh, the Gen 8s at all of the facilities. We talked about in uh, Columbus is our only facility right now that has it. Now that's 
Chicago is our newest location, but they inherited everything from Pittsburgh. So they are still have, that's the reason that they don't have the newer equipment. Um, eventually we will probably switch at some point, but without the immediate, you know, need for it, it's, it's a hard purchase to justify. Um, because I don't think a general guest is going to know quite, we're just not there yet, but they are beautiful packs. I love the, um, the different features that come with it and having that screen on the phaser, I think is a really nice addition. Um, but no, I mean, we're really happy with it. And, you know, I just love laser force. We'll continue to uh, grow with them in the future. Well, it's good to hear a little bit about, you know, what goes into a decision. And uh, my two cents on what you just said is as far as the uh, logo in the center, I have seen that certain places. And I think it's a very smart move because you're absolutely right. You know, I take pictures everywhere I go. So if somebody's got a logo in the middle of their vest, sure, it's going to be in the pictures. And um, as for the different sizes of packs, that is the first time that I've heard that. So I am intrigued by that as well. So that would be interesting to uh, learn a little bit more about. And while we're on the topic of interesting features, I'm going to veer off topic for just a moment, and then we're going to bring it right back. Yeah. So um, Scene 75 has some amazing redemption counters. So let's just take a moment to brag up your redemption counters. Tell me what I might expect to see. I've seen it. Tell, tell me what everybody else is going to be impressed by. Yeah, and we have. Seriously, <laughs> top-notch redemption. Thank you so much for saying that. You know, our redemption is really a labor of love from our owners, both of our owners. Um, Joan, our CEO, he is really passionate about high-end redemption. Um, and then our his father is really passionate about the counter redemption. So just off the bat, our counter redemption, we have about like 600 items in our um, redemption counters. I think best practice is like, 250. Um, so off the bat, it's, it's, there's a lot of product. And then we have these big, beautiful cases, um, front and center that are these hand picked high end, you know, wonderful prizes that vary from sports memorabilia. We have a ton of, um, autographed helmets. We got a Joe Burrow helmet in all of our facilities. I think right now, um, autographed jerseys, baseball cards. Um, and then we have these big, beautiful, cases right up front that have these high-end redemption items. Um, and so it's anywhere from these autographed helmets and jerseys from these big pro football players to different baseball cards. We have PS5s, you know, everything that you would want. And then we have these uh, big, beautiful cases with coach uh, uh, handbags and wallets that our owner, he buys all of the stuff by hand, by himself, supplies it to the different locations. Um, and it's really unique. It's not something that a lot of centers do. Um, we think that it's, you know, it's something that's going to drive that repeat business. What's going to get those people to come in here and want to save up their tickets over a multiple, you know, trip year long thing of say, okay, I want to get this big prize that's going to drive me into a second visit. Well, those kinds of prizes really do make an impact, even if you're just window shopping. Um, but bringing this back to laser tag. Now, I understand most of your sites are Gen 7, but there is a new Gen 8 feature that is tied right into that. And uh, I, I just wonder if, uh, you know, if the redemption feature that allows you to, uh, with the Gen 8 Laser Force, uh, to 
earn laser tag or excuse me, earn redemption tickets while playing laser tag. If that's something that you have looked into or if all of your sites were using the same thing uh, where that might factor in as far as uh, you know, a counter like that, because I must say, if I could earn a coach purse by playing laser tag, I would be sleeping in your lobby. <laughs> I love that. Um, so it's a great feature. It's an awesome thing that they're introducing. Um, for us, it's just, it's, it's the ultimate struggle of keeping everything as consistent as possible from our training to our operations to our procedures. Um, and our facilities are already so different. So anytime that we can kind of streamline something. And I think with that, it's just one of those situations that we can only roll it out in one facility. Um, so at that point, okay, let's hold off on it for now. If in the future we start rolling out more of the newer generation packs, we can revisit it as a feature. But if it's just Columbus, it might rock the boat a little bit too much. But I I'll keep that in mind. I'll let you know. So you can get a little frequent flyer pass, maybe <laughs> rent a hotel nearby so you can gain it up. <laughs> oh, very good. So I wanted to just kind of ask about that because your redemption is so unique. But back to the whole uh, laser tag. Uh, now, something that I see happen occasionally with certain FECs is that sometimes there's an attraction, might be laser tag, might be something else, that just sort of languishes or doesn't get the same attention as another attraction. How do you avoid this? Or, you know, do you or do you avoid this? Is that a, a natural thing that just happens because of the popularity? And does your laser tag get maybe uh, due attention because of where it ranks in your popularity as well? It's tough. I, I think that you always want to, I mean, part of just maintaining and keeping up and, and for us, we have a full-time tech team um, that consists of four to five people per location. Um, and, and then we have a regional above all of them that is also kind of going through making sure, hey, or, is this good? Um, now for us, we have our big rides. So anything that has to pass state inspection is automatically going to get first priority of like, okay, we have to make sure that everything in here is tip tops, say, you know, safe for our guests. Um, so that's always be going to become first priority. Um, now everything else is still, you know, needing to be maintained. We have at each of our laser tags, we have our own like dedicated closet, uh, right closet, but room right next to it, um, that they best can kind of come in get worked on, all the parts are right there and organized. Um, now, probably more organized or <laughs> depending on which location you're at, you know, each team's going to operate a little bit differently. Um, but, you know, for us, it's just one of those things that some of some things are you're able to keep consistently up all the time. You know, our, our um, arcade floor, that's such a big percentage of uh, our revenue that comes in. So that's something that, you know, okay, we try to keep it where it's, five max games down at one time. So they're having to go through every Tuesday and make sure that all of these things are up. Um, and for the attractions, you know, that's probably something that's getting circled or cycled through a little bit less frequently of just, okay, let's stop. It's every quarter. Let's touch base and do a big overhaul and see, okay, what needs to like really get fixed. Now they're still working on the packs as they're going down and, and fixing them, but probably once a quarter we're going through and, and doing a bigger assessment of, okay, what holes do we need to patch in the arena? That's something that's constantly, you know, just people are rough on stuff. Um, even just, you know, the charging cables, you know, that, that gets, you know, people yank them off the wall and that's something that they're having to do. The racks that they sit on, our kids are slamming them. And, you know, I mean, people just, 
they get a little crazy in an FEC um, and just kids, they treat it like a big playground. And we want, you know, to, to some extent to continue to foster that, you know, we want people to come in and feel like they can have fun. And um, so, you know, unfortunately it's just the maintenance is part of it. And I think if you just, do the the weekly maintenance that you need to do to make sure okay it's this weekend we have to make sure we have as many packs up as possible to you know once a quarter going through and making sure you what are the what's kind of the deep maintenance that we need to do for everything to keep it up all right um how competitive do things get at your uh, arenas do you ever have a competitive scene come through or do you ever host tournaments or would you ever host tournaments so we've dabbled with tournaments in the past. Um, we we were doing these like late night laser tag tournaments where it would be after close. We would get, you know, a group of people to sign up and, you know, there's one big grand prize. Um, it's something we haven't. I mean, it was pretty successful. We probably got like 50 people for it, which honestly is not bad. Um, and I think it's just one of those things that, you know, it's hard again, when you're always looking at like, how do we keep it consistent? If you have someone at that location that is passionate about it, that really is like, okay, this is a cool opportunity. I think we should do this. I want to, you know, drive to create this unique event. And, you know, I think it's going to bring people in. You start engaging with these people that are regulars. Then it's something that can be successful as something for, for where we're at and the amount of people that we have from the top. Um, it does make it harder to create those one-off unique experiences that are only going to impact 30, 50 guests. Um, so it's trying to weigh and balance. Okay. What's going to have, you know, the biggest, you know, bang for our buck and the biggest splash. Um, but I will say there is a market for, it. I mean, there's still so many people, not even people that probably wouldn't consider themselves laser tag enthusiasts are just excited about laser tag. You know, there's still a lot of like transient guests that just, they just eat it up. That's the first thing that they're doing every time they come, they're playing it multiple times, you know, they're asking us about the arena. So you know, it is, there is definitely still a love for it. Um, and I think that people would be into um, competing and, and having events around it. It's just the resources to create it. Now, when we first opened for the first few years, we used to do grand prizes where we would say, okay, we're giving away like, uh, I think we were mainly doing like Xbox controllers. So not maybe a whole Xbox, but you get a controller, which is still like 60 bucks. Um, if you had the top score for the month and we would keep, you know, kind of the scoreboard running of, and it was, we would change it from total points to accuracy and whoever could get the highest. Um, but again, unfortunately, it's just something that if you have someone in the property, that's passionate about it, willing to make sure that that's something that's constantly happening, it'll happen. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we're just in a spot right now where we don't have anyone that's passionate about that in particular. But I think that when we talk about, we will have these meetings where we're like, okay, let's pick an attraction and how can we improve it? Let's just focus on that one attraction and walk through the entire guest experience. We're thinking, where can we add? Um, laser tag is always one of those top big conversation pieces. Um, and that is brought up a lot of, okay, how can we add more competition? Even just, you know, the laser tech or the laser force features themselves, like the membership. Um, that is, uh, you know, obviously a no brainer of like, okay, this will add repeat competitive excitement. Now for us, it's hard to implement with with us being not a laser tag center and instead a big giant FEC that has multiple attractions. So people are not coming in just for laser tag. Um, we find it hard to keep up that level of consistency of, okay, 
come in, do your membership. Now, some of these people aren't going to have it. Some of them are, please sign up. So it's not something that we've found um, that we want to like lean into, but it's always an opportunity and an option that we do discuss of like, okay, could this create more competition, more excitement, um, more return visits for that? Well, one thing that I'll say as far as memberships is for me, I always find it uh, to be kind of an incentive to try and make sure that I'm getting that traveling achievement. So I don't always know if a site has memberships or don't until I put my card up to the vest and say, oh, well, I guess they (laughs) I guess they do. I guess I'm getting my achievement this time around. So uh, just food for thought on that. But I really like the idea of what you were saying as far as the, uh, you know, kind of keeping a roster of of your players, because I think that that does uh, keep the more serious players coming back and trying to challenge themselves. But also on the topic of uh, different games, do you ever mix up the games or do you pretty much just stay with what is standard? We pretty much stay with what is standard. Mixing up the games is another hot button topic that every time we're like, okay, what can we do? And it's something that like our owner, he is very passionate about that. He's like, okay, how can we like, let's throw in every third game is, you know, like a zombies or something or something different to add in some variety. Um, What we have found is that it's for, again, for a transient guest. So you're always trying to think of just someone who's just walking in, they're experiencing it. They're a little confused about what they're doing. They're just, you know, they're like, okay, just tell me what to do. And I want to have fun. Um, That we find it hard to then explain that and relay that information where it's like, okay, every third game is going to be a different experience and it's going to be this, and this is how you're going to play it. So for us, what we found is kind of the tried and true is just set it on team and you know let them have at it okay the logic behind it is sound i always think that it's interesting because a lot of times if you're looking around at systems and you want to pick something that has a million different games it's it's uh nice if there's an opportunity to play that and maybe that's where a member night or a tournament somewhere down the down the road could come in yeah absolutely but but, uh you know the format so i've got to ask do you play laser tag yourself I have played many a games um, when I, uh, but I would not consider myself a player and by no means am I a good player. Um, and that's something that Sean's always digging on me. Um, but I, uh, I started out my scene 75 journey 11 years ago. Um, I was going to school and I just got a summer job here. And since then I've been able to work up through the ranks to be the uh, marketing director. But uh, I started out in laser tag. We used to segment our employees where it was like, okay, you only do this attraction. So for me, it's not something that I ever got any good at <laughs> always trying, always trying to get in there and like, oh yeah, I'm good. No, I could never do it, but it does. I would say out of all of our attractions, it is the most special place in my heart. And the smell of fog juice is just a nostalgic smell for me that I will always adore. So. Okay. Well, at least you kind of came up through the ranks in laser tag. So I'm going to use that as the catalyst to ask you because <laughs> uh, I always find laser tag players have hilarious stories but the operators have some interesting uh bird's eye view to uh different happenings as well so i i'd love to ask if you have a favorite memory of a laser tech story that happened at one of the scene 75 locations oh gosh that's been so long um i'm trying to remember if i have anything specific to me it was just i have i mean for me, a lot of that, because that time in my life was this, you know, since I was first opening and it was this 
big crazy thing. And, and I had mentioned before that it was so busy and that every, there was a line for every little thing. Also just the way we set it up in the beginning. Now I'm not sure what the catalyst behind why nothing worked in the first two months was, but let me tell you, nothing worked. So we had all these people, bodies and bodies and bodies waiting. Like again, people were waiting here, waiting here, waiting here, and then they get in. So to me, my memories of laser tag are very wrapped up in, you know, being this young, young kid, I'm out there, I'm like, got my little vest on and I'm, you know, Hey, cut you ready. And it was just a sea of people. I mean, it was like, shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow of just these people just wanting to kind of come in. And I would, you know, scan their thing. And then it would, it it would take probably two minutes. I'd be like, Oh, hold on. I got to reboot the swiper. And then uh, this is not make scene 75 sound great. Let me tell you, these things have been fixed, but this was just that first two months, 11 years ago. It was so crazy that I think for me, it was just, I loved the chaos. I loved um, you know, getting all these people and getting these 40 people in. I loved giving a brief. I loved being a marshal. Um, and I just adored the, the excitement that kids would have when you would assign them to their team and, all right, you're on red. And they're like, yeah. And it's like, all right, red team, like, let's go. I think there's just something so pure about that, um, that there's nothing else like that. Nothing else on our floor is like that about that laser tag experience and the adrenaline that kids get as they're running, you know, through that doorway and they feel like, okay, this is me. I'm, I'm playing with all my favorite people and I'm going to win and I'm going to come out on top. So I don't think I have anything specific. It's just the general vibe and atmosphere of the, the chaos and the ownership and the joy that it was. Well, it sure sounds like laser tag is a really significant ingredient in the recipe of scene 75. Oh yeah, I would definitely say so. It is one of our guest favorite attractions. It's one of our favorite attractions and we're very happy to have it in our buildings. And why do you think that laser tag after all these years continues to have so much appeal? That's a great question. Um, I think part of it is, you know, like I said, I think it's just, it's the opportunity to have a multifaceted experience. So it's not just this, okay, you go, you swipe your card and you do it. It's this thematic, dramatic um, experience and journey through a guest where you're revealing multiple rooms to them, right? Which is a rare thing in in comparison to everything else on the floor. Um, You're able to have that really impactful if it's good you know not every brief is impactful but in a perfect world uh if if your training's on tight and you get that that great guest or that great uh guest experience associate and they give this wonderful phenomenal brief uh you know they're able to hype up the kids in that way and then you know you go in and, and each game is also so different depending on who you're playing with who's on the other team even if it is just the same game type over and over again it really is a unique experience every single time which is not the same you know to be said for a lot of the other attractions. So I think because of that, it it provides this opportunity to have that really unique experience, have a different experience every time. And it's also something that you can try to do better at again. So it's like, ooh, I want to win next time or I want to get a higher score next time. And that's, you know, again, it, the roller coaster, it's great. Everyone loves it. I love it. But you ride it and that's that. You know, that's the experience. It's, it's one for one. Um, and laser tag, I think, is just a fan favorite because it's always different. Very well put. Well, on that note, I'd love to end with a little bit of rapid fire tag talk and throw some quick questions at you and get some quick answers back. You game for that? I'm ready. All right. Rapid fire. What's your favorite game format to play? Oh, honestly, I've only played. 
classic. Just the classic. It's all I know being here at scene 75. <laughs> Who's the coolest person you've ever met through laser tag? Oh, Sean Cope. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite prize or souvenir that you've ever won yourself or that you've been able to award to somebody through laser tag? Ooh, I would say one of the prizes that we used to do, we used to have these giant bears. Uh, and that would have been one of our, you know, when you were doing the high score prizes. Uh, and I just, I just love those giant bears. Who doesn't love them? <laughs> All right. Uh, favorite brand of we never run in the arena shoes. Oh, I honestly, I have a pair of new balances that I just love. I know they're dad's shoes, but they're just the cutest thing and they're, they're perfect, but <laughs> done, done a lot of, uh, don't yell, don't yell or don't run in the arena uh, yelling myself. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite snack at the concession stand? Ooh, pretzels. I eat them too often i still eat pretzels all the time if i like i was just here on a saturday two weeks ago helping on the floor and i was like oh i only got time for a quick pretzel let me scarf this down and it's it's always good it's always what you want <laughs> it's my favorite too <laughs> and what's the best reason to play laser tag at scene 75 Ooh, um i think because well like in comparison to other centers or comparison to other attractions within scene 75 any way you want to take that. Hmm. I would say at scene 75, if you're comparing it to the other experiences, you know, it's going to be something different. It's going to be something fun. And uh, it's an opportunity to beat your friends. It is something that, you know, <laughs> you, it's, I love uh, being able to rub something in somebody else's face and being able to brag about it on the way home. That's, this is the ultimate attraction that you can do that. Um, in comparison to other, uh, other facilities, I think just, um, you know, getting that opportunity to have a completely different arena, it's something that was kind of hand-built, it's not a cookie-cutter situation, and, you know, you're getting a little bit of love uh, in that arena when you play. Very good. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add, Maggie? No, I think we covered it all. Well, I want to thank you for taking some time to talk with me and give a little insight to how significant it is to have a laser tag attraction as part of a big family entertainment center. Certainly seems to be a significant piece of Scene 75. And I uh, I thank you so much for your time and your insights. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Oh, I do have one question for you. Sure. Which one is your favorite arena of the Scene 75 arenas? Of all the Scene 75s. I'm going to go with Chicagoland. Ooh, I love that. Great call. I, I agree. Second one for me too, or first one. Although I've got to tell you that I have some very specific memories of certain places because two of your Scene 75 locations have fallen on milestone numbers for me. I played Cleveland was my 200th laser tag arena and Dayton was my 350th laser tag arena. Oh, I love that. So we're just special in your heart all around. <laughs> <laughs> I've had some great opportunities and great experiences. So uh, I, I'm glad to hear some of the behind the scenes of it and i appreciate you taking some time that's my guest maggie mccartney director of marketing for scene 75 thanks so much thank you thanks for checking out this episode of laser unfocused tag talk listen for more episodes on the first and third friday of each month want to be a guest on an upcoming episode find out more and follow my blog and website at tiviachicklovesLaserTag.com. 